And for most people, the, the fear the, the fear of the pain of failure is greater than actual failure itself. Yeah. And so most people will not take a risk of, of any description because they fear what might happen, yeah. the pain that might they might feel if it fails. Whereas in reality, the, the pain's, you know, it's like you've only failed if you stop trying. So as long as I never stop trying, I've never actually failed at anything. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Hitting the Wall podcast with me, your host, Ash Taylor. It's a lovely, lovely day out there. I'm really excited to be uh, joined today by David Horn. How are you, David? I'm very well. How are you, mate? I'm really good, really good. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I know it's uh, taking up a bit of your time and I'm always really respectful of people who uh, can spare me that half an hour, 40 minutes to share some wisdom and, and a, a bit of their experience with, with our listeners. So I really appreciate that. Um, to get everybody going and just, you know, just to warm us up, could you just let everybody know uh, what it is you do, David, and, and the change you're trying to make in the world? Uh, well, my main business is web development. Um, we work a lot with blue chip organizations doing fairly niche projects for them. So not not necessarily their main websites, but we do do that as well. Um, I also work with an organisation called Look After Your Dog, which is um, building, well, we've built a system that allows people to board their dogs without having to go to boarding. So it's in people's houses. Um, and I have a few other irons in the fire as well for projects that I'm trying to get going. But the core business is web development. Cool. And, and I know you you are about to launch, I hope it's okay to talk about this or not blow your thunder away, but about to launch your own podcast as well, which is really, uh, I found it really interesting because it's really focused on what people do in business when they're not doing their business. And the reason I ask that and mention it is because you're, you're not just the owner of a, of, of a web you know, development agency, for lack of another term, and, and your investment in, in the uh, dog uh, company as well but you're also you also have some really fascinating um extracurricular activities as as we we might say so two two spring to mind as a, as a starting point so let, let's just start there briefly um because i know your your side project um in terms of the cycling is, is really important to you so yes yes yeah yeah the cycling is very important so why 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 cycling why why does that give you what it gives you in terms of whatever it gives you so cycling gives me the same thing that the next one you're going to talk about and i'm not going to destroy your thunder by saying what my other hobby is um it allows you to be in the moment and we spend so much of our lives worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow what's worrying about what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes the next hour the next meeting everything's diarized that we all struggle to flow to be in the moment and the, the beauty of cycling is that if you're not in the moment you're going to get run over so you absolutely have to be in the moment so it gives you the opportunity to just clear your head and let your your head unwind so for me it's it's virtually medita meditation um so I, so I think it's brilliant and i and i asked the question and i will come on to your other thing maybe not now maybe in a minute but i i, I asked the question because I'm a big fan, as you know, of, of getting business owners to really think about um, their lives and their business as a, as a holistic piece, you know, not, not, not to compartmentalize. 
Um, you know, if, if, if your business is working well for you, it doesn't feel like work. And, and you know, if, you're, if your life is, is balanced and comfortable, then you don't feel a need to escape to your business. You know, I think it kind of works. It works both ways. And trying to encourage people to have uh, skill sets, hobbies, passions, whatever you want to call it, outside of the business, where you don't get an answer that is, I don't have the time is really, really difficult. So how do you how do you make the time for your cycling? Because I know that's been a challenge for you at, at times. Um, well, when I lived near the office, it was straightforward because I was just, just cycling to work. Uh, the office is in Slough, I live in Reading. So in the summer, I can still do that, but it takes a little bit more organisation because it's 18 miles each way. Um, we, we set up a website called It's Only Cycling. Um, <laughs> which used to be called not doing Lycra um, until I got a cease and desist off DuPont. Yes, I'm very proud of that. Well, you should be. I should be. Yeah, I know. I know. That's going to be my anecdote for a long time to come. Um, that, which means that we can organise these rides and we're trying to encourage people who are fearful of the, the image you get, of the, you know, the whole mammal thing, like the super expensive bikes the whole like with that i've bought the lifestyle thing um so we, because when i started cycling that wasn't a thing you just yeah. bought a bike and you just went cycling you know yeah and it's become that over the last 10 years or so so it's, it's trying to get away from that so me us organizing rides because it's sponsored by my, my company means that we can use that for social media so it, it, it stops being uh, finding the time. It's just one of the things we do because it's something that the business does. So it, it kind of changing it around. It's not my free time. It's the kind of, it's just part of our social media marketing, I guess. Yeah, you've, you've integrated it really slickly into the, the different uh, projects or um, business outreach that i guess that you have because you do quite you do quite a lot of community work as well don't you in, in yeah in yeah, yeah. local well, area yeah well we have we have a charity um and we'll, we do free and subsidized work for for good causes um there, there's lots of reasons i mean we're, giving back is always a good idea um i i was a teacher so i'm used to working in that environment when i first started the business i was also helping uh, teach IT to hard to access members of the community in Slough. So, you know, I, I've, I, have, I have history on these kind of projects. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and, and it's important to me. Cool. So uh, let, let's just go back. Let's go back to the beginning because uh, you're, you're clearly a man who has fingers in different pies. You know, you've got uh, the, the couple of technical-based businesses. You've got the cycling um you you've got the community stuff that you do as well you you are a, an irregular radio uh guest as we were talking about um uh, beforehand as well so you 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 get around you're about to launch this podcast as well you're you're a busy guy you're doing lots of things how, how did it all start where where did david horn begin and I, i'm not talking necessarily about you know when i was free I no no well there's two things um my grandfather ran his own business. He was a publican and he had different parts. So he was a businessman. My dad was a businessman. He had his own business. So part of me always said, I will at some point have my own business. Um, 
The other reason is that I'm a real a complete pain and I must be a nightmare to be someone's employee. So the only other thing you can be is being an employer if you, if you think it's too hard for someone to employ you. Um, but my, my first business was when I was 21 and it taught me more business lessons than anything else I've ever done. It was called uh, On Stage Jugglers. And we weren't juggling organisation. I, I worked at the time as technical manager in a nightclub. And we, I was selling the staff services to other nightclubs. So we were going in servicing equipment, uh, hiring out equipment from my nightclub because I had a, a deal with them. Um, and th that was my first business. Um, and I learned very quickly that you don't have a business partner when the business partner is doing deals behind your back and taking a cut from the other companies. Um, so that, that lasted a year, maybe 18 months. And then I, I stopped having my own business for quite a long time after that. So I quite, felt quite bad and burnt and let down because um, he, he was my best friend at the time. Mm. Um, and it was really quite sad to see what the lure of money can do to people. And so I, I, I shied away from business for a long time. But, but that, that's where it all started. So, okay, so let's talk about that for a minute. So specifically, uh, obviously, I understand the, the, the burning element, having been through something very similar myself. Um, and, and, I, and I get that whole principle of feeling like it's, it's going to be quite a brave step to kind of step back into that arena and, and start to um, put your trust in people. Because to build a business, you have to put trust in people. And when someone's yeah. let you down, it's quite difficult to go back into it. So specifically what were the learnings that you took from that you know if you if you could go back and do that business again with the same partner what what would you have done differently i would have found a business coach or a mentor or put myself out um somewhere where i could get advice from experienced business people already and i did none of that I had the most horrific imposter syndrome possible. I was essentially a wide boy winging it. <laughs> in, in my head, at least. I knew what I was doing, but in my head, that is all I was doing. I was just, saw an opportunity and I was just some wide boy just having given it a go. Um, so I, I wasn't necessarily treating it properly. Um, and so I allowed too much control and too much to happen around me and I had no real vision on, on what was actually happening so the the thing that i would have changed would have been uh, took it a little bit more seriously had a little bit more vision and found a bit of um support from someone um and the weird thing is is that two years at that time i'd actually been offered some unwittingly uh, but i was too young and naive to take it up a friend of mine there's a company called Ascus teddy bear teddy bears yeah online teddy bear shop i knew the daughter, because we were the same age as the woman that started it. And as I was starting the business, she said, oh, you should join Eaton Chamber of Commerce. I didn't, I was too young to appreciate that actually that's exactly what I should have done because I, that would have given, given me the opportunity to talk to experienced business people. But because I thought I'm not really a business person, I'm just winging it. Mm. I didn't take that opportunity and things would, be, would have been quite different if I'd taken that opportunity at that age. Um, I wouldn't be the person I am now, and that's arguably actually worse. But um, yeah, that's, that's what I would have done differently. Is I probably would have taken that opportunity and or found a, an older 
older business person that I trusted um, to, to be a mentor of some description. See, what you say there is really interesting because we, we speak, you know, uh, often, not you and I, but um, certainly with within my team and with some of, some of the advisors, mentors that I have around me about how difficult it is to get people to put their hand up and say, I need, I want help. There seems to be a real, real um, block when it comes to kind of, I don't know whether it's, I don't know if it's feeling like you're embarrassed that you need to ask help because, hey, I run a business, I should know what I'm doing. I don't know if there's a lack of, um, well, what will I get from somebody who's giving me, yeah. give me advice? You know, they're going to tell me what to do. I don't know if it's fear for being, of being made to look, I don't know, incompetent, perhaps. Um, and, I, and I get a 21 that's possibly a different answer, but you and I both know, you know, quite sensible, seasoned business owners who are, they may not be making errors, but they certainly could be making improved decisions if they were yeah, doing yeah, yeah. advice. So what, what's the block? What stops people? Um, well, the, for, I, th I think there's a few things. The first is anybody can start a business. There's absolutely no barrier to entry, and that is a good thing. But it also means that you don't at any point think, I know what I'm doing. Because if I wanted to be a doctor, I would have to train for four years, five years, whatever it is to be a doctor. I would pass the course and I'd have a piece of paper that said, I, I know what I'm doing. I can be a doctor. Yeah. Anyone can register a company, a company's house, start their own business. They don't need to know what they're doing. So there isn't really a point where you think I've got at least the minimum information. You know, I, I know the minimum I need to know. Um, so I think that causes a bit of a problem. Um, and like most businesses, when you first start it, you, you do anything, even if it's not what you really think your business is, because you just need to get money. And so there's always the fear that taking advice off someone who's more seasoned is going to come at a cost, which is they're going to steal some of your work. And I think that's common because Interesting. you start your business, what are you focused on? You focus on the revenue. You know, I know when I started Keyhorn, we did all number of different things from a bit of IT support. There were points where I spent a week in central pay. That was painful. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, doing, doing IT support at a conference. Because it's not what we did, but it was what one, one of my clients needed. So we, we offered what they needed because it gave us good money and kept the business afloat. So, you know, the, it takes a few years for business to really get confidence in what they do and to be able to focus just on things they really do. Because all young businesses will just do what's offered to them. Because they haven't got the confidence to say no. And they don't really know what their business is. It's too young. Yeah. yeah. That's just really, really interesting. So how, um, so you, you, you stopped that business, obviously, or well, maybe made to stop it, whatever the outcome was of that. Yeah. Uh, you went in back into employment, I'm presuming, because it took you it took a while. So, what was what was the next venture? Was it was it then Keyhorn or was it? A, a uh, no, no, it was a number um, of well, stepping stones. I, I stopped that business. I regrouped and just worked in a restaurant for a year, just just because I didn't have, no responsibility, didn't have to think about anything. Um, I then went back to college, did 3D animation. 
within a year and a half, the teacher went, you're better than I am. Do you want to come and teach? So I ended up as a teacher. Brilliant. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I really, really loved it. And so I ended up teaching web design and 3D animation. Um, but education, I loved education, loved it with a passion. And I cried when I had to make decisions to leave, but they couldn't give me a proper contract. And I had three young kids. So I knew I couldn't carry on an education. The summer I ended up driving trucks. And you know, one week you had the teacher being rolled out in front of the government uh, because you're this shining example of education in their college. The next week you're driving a truck because you haven't got an income knowing that you're going to go back in eight weeks and go back again. So I, I left, but I got, I went to work with two of my students, uh, ex-students by this stage, which was good and bad for many reasons. Um, the year and a half, and then I left and started Keyhorn. So I'd not really worked in a studio until I'd left education, but until I'd gone into education, I didn't have the skills to then start the business I've got now. So a bit roundabout, and I just took the opportunities that were there, but that's how I ended up with Keyhorn. So you, I just want to talk about, go back a couple of lines, if you like, but you, you so you're doing this job that you love, you're really passionate about teaching, yeah. you're, you're unable to continue. So this is the second time you've been in a position where you're doing something that, of choice that you, that you really enjoy, that's got opportunity, yeah. got potential. And it's the second time that, the reasons that you okay we could argue you could have controlled both of them potentially but arguably uh, through no fault of your own you have been taken away from that or that 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 opportunity has been taken away from you and you you, you quite blithely say okay i drove trucks for a summer because i had three you know three kids big trucks it was exciting trucks, which is great but how how do you how do you dust you? Because you know this podcast is all about understanding what makes people tick. You know how yeah. how do you how do you win when you've got challenges in front of you? So when when you've been faced with these two bitter pills, if you like, yeah, what enabled you to dust yourself off and find that job driving the trucks, for instance, and just just go again? What what? Like, not everybody would do that. A lot of people no, sign no, on the doll no, and, and just, you know, no. well, that, that's me done, um, you know? No, not wanting to kind of make it depressing. I, I had quite um, a dark childhood. Um, my father had alcohol dependency issues. He died and it was just me and him in the house when I was about nine. Then, um, so I moved, I was living with him. I then moved back to live with my mum. Serious depression for about nine months when I was about nine years old. I survived that. Um, then my mum died of leukemia when I was 22. Me and my brother went totally off the rails for two years. Survived that. Compared to things like that, business failure is just walking apart, you know. But I'm not suggesting everyone should have those kind of experiences. But it, it, it's all, it, it's relative, isn't it? When you've had something that's really quite visceral and real you know and genuinely hard like that um then you know you you pick yourself up the, i mean that that's why if if you're a, an, an immigrant into a country you've got it as hard as anyone's ever going to get it and that that's why those businesses survive mm. is because compared to what they come from this is a walk in the park yeah and i talk about this that this whole principle of 
comparison is the thief of joy is a really a dangerous place to be because we're always comparing upwards. We're always comparing against the things we don't have. And, yeah. um, and that can be really difficult. But when you actually compare where you are now to where you were, where you have been, how yeah. difficult that's been, that can be phenomenally inspiring because you you yeah. become you become the focus of the comparisonitis if you're able to yeah, yeah. Uh, recognize I, that. I wake up every single morning and I thank thank the stars that I've got a roof above my head, I've got clean water, and no one's trying to shoot me. Because yeah. I, I am in a very privileged minority across the planet. Not well, yeah, but a, a, a minority that, that can say that every single day and know that that's probably not going to change. Yeah. You know, and, and and I'm already winning, and I've not even got out of bed. Yeah, there's there's a talk I've done for school children, um, 16, 17 year olds, as young as 14, and, and I just have one slide, and it's a picture of a child, um, in in Ghana, I believe it is, and uh, this child is a you know two, two and a half liter, uh, sorry, two and two two and a half gallon, I think it is water. Liter, you know water barrels on yeah, each yeah. shoulder and and he, he, this kid has to do a, a two-hour round trip every day to get water clean from water. family and overnight yeah, yeah. clean water from the nearest well and and the only difference between that 14 year old and the 14 year olds listening to me talk is opportunity yeah they they yeah. have opportunity this kid doesn't because his whole life four hours every day it revolves around getting up yeah. before dawn and lasting at night getting water for the family yeah, yeah, yeah. He's doing one and then, and healthy enough then to he's it. exhausted after that yeah. point so there's no educational opportunity there's an opportunity yeah. to have a full-time job even if there wasn't any work in the area so on and so forth and and i think it's really easy for all of us not just kids but all of us uh to take for granted what we what we have every day and forget that it's not a privilege and we see it as a as a source of entitlement i guess yeah, yeah, yeah. that it's something that's just a given and I think there's a lot of value in recognizing that when you when you look at the, the privileged position we're in, as, as you know, to use your words, and do we look at the abundance that we have around us all the time? But actually, what it, what is the worst that happens? You know, it, it, it is it's it's a very different place to be. I guess what I'm saying is that the principle of risk changes hugely when you've got so many safety nets. Um, yes around us because of the society that, that, yeah, that yeah, we're in yeah, yeah. I mean, most people fear pain so uh, a friend of mine you paul he mm. was he was a territorial parachute regiment yeah and they do a thing called milling which is where you stand in front of someone for a minute and you just punch each other because most people don't get hurt if they get punched they get hurt because of the fear of getting punched and for most people, the, the fear, the, the fear of the pain of failure is greater than actual failure itself. Yeah. And so most people will not take a risk of, of any description because they fear what might happen, yeah. the pain that might they might feel if it fails. Whereas in reality, the, the pain's you know, it's like you've only failed if you stop trying. So as long as I never stop trying, I've never actually failed at anything. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and you know, you know, when I when I lost my first business, I, I slept in my car for two nights. And so whenever I'm taking a risk now, yeah, it was a Bentley. Ashton, it, fair. It, was, it was it was an Audi. Fair, it's not quite a Bentley, but I did have to sell it, and that that broke my heart. You know, selling yeah. it hurt. selling my beloved Audi hurt more than sleeping in it. But 
it, it, it does kind of, it's, it's a great anchor for me because when I'm taking risks and thinking, oh, what could go wrong? Because there are times where we're, you know, we're, we're playing a little close to the wire with cash and, and all that sort of stuff because of the risks you take. And I go, well, the worst that happens is I might have to sleep in my car. And actually there's a lot more worse that are going to happen before that, if that makes sense. That's right down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lose a lot yeah. to be in that position again. And I've done that. And actually it wasn't so bad. Yeah. So yeah. You, you know, it, it gives it gives you a a, a a kind of different type of comparison to make your decisions again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, that's, if, that's important. If you've got a benchmark that is something really tough, then everything, like I said, everything else is going to be a walk in the park compared to that. Really so, do you, so do you think then that resilience, mental toughness, only exists? For people who have had challenging circumstances, no. But I think if you've had challenging circumstances, it's been pushed upon you. I, you, I think you can develop it of your own accord because you can develop the attitudes and the processes that people have been in that situations have had. Because not everyone, not everyone copes. Some people do just flake and never try anything again because they can't bear it. Some people mm. prosper. So, no, it's not fair to say that that situation makes you like that because some people will do it. But there are, there, there's a great, there's a great book called Grit. Yeah. Um, and in that, they talk about that you, if you can learn from people that have been in those situations, you just copy them. And although you, you, you're, you're kind of you're faking it, but at some point it becomes ingrained in you. Because there, no, there are lessons just about just, you know, it's the, it's the old thing, isn't it? How do you eat an elephant? Yeah. One mouthful at a time. You know, and it's just one foot in front of the other. As long as you just keep pushing forward. Sometimes you can't see the end point. And sometimes you start to lose your way a bit because there's so much in the trees. Just just keep playing forward and, you, you know. It's, I think it's, yeah, what you say there's really interesting because I think what I was getting to is do, you know, are, are we born with a, 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 an innate kind of level of resilience, if you like, and some people get the opportunity <laughs> to test that resilience or is our resilience formed through those challenging opportunities? I, I don't know if we'll ever know. No, uh I would say it's more nurture than nature. Absolutely. A few, if, when my when my middle son was young, he um, he was put into the specially gifted group at school mm -hmm. because he academically he was very bright, and they spent the whole time telling him he was gifted. No, you're you're gifted. You got yeah, you're gifted. You've got skills. Yeah, you're fine. At no point did they say, because you work hard. And as soon as he wasn't able to perform or he, he, he kind of he has, has problems with exams and so he just freaks out, he had nowhere to go to because he wasn't taught. You're gifted, but because you work hard. Because. Because you work hard. And so he had no fallback. It was the, I can't do running exams. I'm gifted. I can't do anything with that. So... If they'd said, you've got talent, and if you work hard, you'll make something of it, you know, or you're, 
you know they call it in call it the stoic group or something or the hard-working group or whatever rather than something like that he would have had somewhere to go and yeah. so that's where the the nurture part comes in so if you if you come from a family where people go oh, it's not worth it don't try oh, don't bother you know that mm. kind of attitude you you're not instilling that so so those people are more likely to not necessarily have it um but you, you only need to be influenced by a couple of people and you can really change people's mindsets quickly you know you just need to meet someone who says you you can do it you, you know you I, I always think i went to school i went to school in windsor but it wasn't a great school and i remember my careers teacher who had to look on the sheet to, to remember who i was yeah. And his only comment to me in my careers was, have you thought about catering? And that was it. That was the whole sum of my careers advice at school. Not, you're good at this, you're good at that, do, da da No, and it, if you're in those situations, it's very, it could be very easy just to go, oh, I'll just do that. There's, there's a little irony there, though, David, because um, arguably he was right, wasn't he? Because you, you, you ended up building a, 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 you know, a successful business that has focused certainly up until you know, a year ago, 18 months ago, it, on the hospitality. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so maybe he saw something in you that you, you, you missed, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think um, he was that bright, I'm honest no, with you, but I'd, I'd quite like to think that was true. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just thinking about your... Um, yeah, this this principle, uh, what you were talking about earlier. I always remember listening to wasn't that long ago a podcast with Cesc Fabregas. Um, you know, yeah. nominally I'm holding my fingers up in quote marks. Um, talented footballer, and he actually got quite irate when you know the guy interviewing was saying, you know, you're really talented, and he's like, I'm not, I'm not. You know, when I was seven years old, I got picked for the Barcelona academy, and I had to get the bus, which was an hour and a half through the academy training ground. This is at seven. Yeah. You would then train for an hour and a half, get the bus back, go to school, um, get the bus back to the academy, <laughs> do another hour and a half, get the bus back home whilst he did his homework. And he would fall asleep on the bus as soon as he got home, eat and then do it again and again and again. Right. And again. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. seven, eight, nine years old, okay? Yeah. And he said, if I am talented, it is because I have worked hard. It is because I was falling asleep on the bus at 10 o'clock at night after doing three hours of training and a full day of school yeah, and yeah. homework while my peers were playing games. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And, and I think that there is, for me, and I know other people have their own opinion on this, this, this whole principle of we're born talented. Sure, being, being five foot four is probably going to mean you're going to struggle to be a, an international basketball player. But you, you, you get out what you put in. Yeah, 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 totally, totally. I mean, there's, um, I don't know whether it's because we're modest in this country, but if, if you've made it, if you've achieved something, you've done something, the temptation of people saying, oh, you're lucky. Yes. Oh, you're lucky. And most people go, yeah, you know, just, yeah, and shrug the shoulders a bit. Because it sounds a bit conceited to go, no, I've just worked really hard. You know, I want to but, say that. I want to swear at them and say, no, I've worked really hard. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I've put the hours in. You were in the pub. I was doing this. You know? yes. And it comes across as really conceited. And, and so most people just go, yeah, you know, and just kind of shrug the shoulders a little bit. Yeah. 
Mm. So, so put, the, what you've said is, and what Cesc Fabregas said, fantastic footballer, love Arsenal, um, is that you, you people don't don't say that. So no one, no one kind of mm. people just don't always get that. You're right, but you know, it's, it's all about effort. And it's interesting because there are a lot, a lot of comments on this podcast, you know, in the it, it, Apple Podcasts or whatever it was, other platforms are available. Uh, we are on Apple and on Spotify and various others like Google Podcasts, et cetera, as well, um, just, just so you know. Um, but there are a lot of comments that are saying, oh, doesn't Fabregas come across as arrogant? You know, your, your word that you used, rather than, wow, this guy's worked really hard. Seven years old, he was doing a full, you know, four-hour commute plus training and you know, it, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's because people are too quick to bring other people down and bring yeah, yeah, down. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's, to that. It, it's, I used to smoke when I was younger. And deep down, people people would say, if you go out smoking, they go, yeah, 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 no, it's brilliant. Just go out smoking. Deep down, they wanted you to fail hmm. because then that gave them the exact justification why they don't try. And so you saying, by Cesc Fabregas, whoever it is, actually pointing out how much effort they've put in. All you're really doing is showing the spotlight and how much effort other people haven't put in. And that can be, that's not empowering and that's the danger. You know, if you, you can say yeah, that's a that. converted, you can, yeah. you can say it's a converted other people where you can go, yeah, I, I can see the reflection because that's what I've done or what I'm doing. But to, to, to you know, anyone else that just comes across as a, kind of oh you know oh okay isn't he being arrogant <laughs> yeah isn't he being arrogant? because that's it's, it's rather than saying yeah if i worked hard i could have made something of my life rather than you know but part of that is taking ownership of that because okay. if at that age he was he was prepared to do that means he even at that age was taking ownership of the situation and he, was very, he was very very clear sorry he was very clear to say that his parents did not push him into it no absolutely it's his choice yeah yeah i mean was going to say is that other kids might have had the same opportunities but relied on their parents and if their parents weren't prepared to do it even if they were you know it's a hard thing at that age to take that kind of responsibility but you could have said okay so they're blaming someone else for why they've not succeeded it's a bit harsh at that age but you know Cess clearly wasn't relying on other people as much so, because it, it was I and that, and that build, builds character and resilience doesn't it I mean, yeah, absolutely it absolutely absolutely yeah yeah and you know and they the I have friends have been to boarding school and there's something about being at boarding school that makes you not have to rely on other people because you've been separated from your family yeah. and you know and there, there's a certain attitude and their ability to just do it themselves independence. And I, yeah in absolute independence and that is that is quite strong and that is that is a related emotion to this kind of resilience because the resilience truly comes from within and the i'm i'm taking complete ownership of this and i'm not relying on anyone for any of this if it fails, it's at my hands. If it succeeds, yeah. it's at my hands. Because as soon as you allow someone else to own that, they become a, a scapegoat if it goes wrong, yeah. potentially. Yes, um, I agree. Yeah, it's, so, easy, it's easy to delegate ownership and responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, as you grow, you can have staff, but ultimately it has to be at your hands. You know, you have to totally accept that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and that, but that gives you power as well. And that and that gives you the resilience because 
you don't need someone else, you know, and if you don't do it, it won't happen. That, that, that gives you the resilience and that forces that to happen. So, uh, David, one last question from me. I, I feel like we could chat on this for hours and then we'd look at the time, it'd be like six hours have gone. But um, so, it's uh, like Lord uh, of the Rings podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Just keep going, be another ending and another ending. Um, so, <laughs> that'd be quite entertaining actually. There's a new name for your podcast. Um, so yeah, I asked this of all our guests, um, very simple question. Uh, I, I think you've answered it, but it'd be interesting to see if you come up with something else, um, which is, you know, if you could go back to uh, the David of, you know, 20 years old, 21 years old, the day before you were starting your first business and appear in front of yourself, you know, a puff of smoke and a flash of light, time travel, whatever, whatever you want to call it, mind meld. And, and have 30 seconds with that David, that version of yourself, but with all your knowledge and all your experience that you have now, all, all the time that you spent with um, people, you know, smarter than you, people you've taken advice on, you know, the mistakes you've made, all the rest of it. What one sentence piece of advice would you give that David? It's an excellent question. The, the, your questions always are excellent. It, it's kind of, it's one sentence, which is, you're not stupid and trust your instincts. Because a lot of people, it, 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 it's coming back to the imposter syndrome thing, which is almost everyone I know has had at some point. Mm -hmm. um, but the trust your instincts is, is hugely underrated. Some people have bad instincts. I tend to have good instincts about people. I'm quite, quite observant. I went to art college, so I'm visually quite, I'm a very visual human being. So yeah. I, uh, not written, just visual. So I understand body language probably slightly better. So, you know, that kind of... So, yeah, trust your instincts. You're not an idiot and trust your instincts. Interesting. Brilliant. Um, David, if people want to reach out to you, what's what's the easiest way to do that? Don't give um, up your personal mobile number. Yeah. But... <laughs> uh, they can go to my website um, and they can find all of our different brands on that. And that's www.keyhorn, K-E-H-O-R-N-E, .co.uk and they can email me david at keyhorn.co.uk superb uh thank you for being an amazing guest i've really enjoyed that some great discussion some really good uh tips pieces of advice um and insightful wisdom um which people will really enjoy and as always if you're listening and you've got any feedback comments uh please let us know and i'll pass them on to david because it will be all his fault if this podcast has crashed <laughs> nothing to do with me thank <laughs> Thank you for having me, Ash, and thank you for being a great host. That was that was really, really good. Really, really good. I've really enjoyed that. Thank you. Excellent. Pleasure. You've been listening to the Hitting the Wall podcast with me, Ash Taylor. This podcast is produced by the Business Clubhouse. The Business Clubhouse is a great community of business owners who share ideas, challenge and support each other to run better businesses for themselves and their families. If you'd like to grow your business with the right people around you and with the right tools to help you, visit thebusinessclubhouse.co.uk where you can request a complimentary copy of the best-selling Hitting the Wall.